What's up, what's up, what's up? Once again, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Brave Talk Live podcast. I hope you guys have all been enjoying the podcast. Like I said, as always, please don't forget to like and subscribe, as well as, you know, follow me at Brave Talk Live on Twitter, Brave Talk underscore live on Instagram, and like as always, feel free to drop an email to me at BraveTalkLive at gmail.com. Like I say, so far, I hope you guys have been enjoying the podcast so far. Today, with this episode, I'm going to get a little deep. Uh, the title, as you may have seen, was titled Black Lives Matter. And as a black man myself here in the United States, grew up in the South, which is Miami, and then went to college in Atlanta, but definitely in the South. You know, it, it's, it's a topic that's very dear, and sometimes, you know, very controversial to some degree. But the inspiration of this idea of Black Lives Matter is what you know how the year 2020 went, uh, especially right before Memorial Day with George Floyd being uh, essentially murdered, you know, at the hands of three police officers, you know, in Minneapolis. There's more and more, and there's just so much that you sort of wonder how much more or how many more black lives have to be lost until something is really done before justice is really done for black lives actually really do truly matter to this country and especially in our justice system and within our police department. But the inspiration really from this came from a USA Today article that was published on December 1st of last year and the title was No Knock Warrant in Louisville, Kentucky. And their newspaper actually went in and looked at police records over the course of two years and noticed that many of the no-knock warrant searches that they've done were done in black neighborhoods, were done towards black suspects, you know. And just to read some of the statistics that I that's on, available on this article is that in the course of the past two years, 23 of the 28 no-knock warrants were for black suspects. So that right there is 82% of those 28 warrants were for black residents in Jefferson County, which is the county that Louisville is located in, where they 70% of the population is white. So out of the 750,000 residents, 70% of them are white, but in a two-year span, 82% of 28 no-knock warrants were for black suspects. And if you want to even go a little deeper out of that, 68% of those warrants, no-knock warrants for black suspects, were done in the West End, which is a predominantly black neighborhood section of Louisville. And and as you, like I say, the article is there online for you to read on the USA Today. And, you know, the police department tries to clear it up, says, oh, well, you know, there's no bias, there's no racism in terms of who we uh, perform the no-knocks on, the warrants on, you know, or the no-knock no searches, because, you know, it depends on the situation. And I get that a little bit, you know. I'm not oblivious to the fact, you know, you got to have some kind of transparency to the idea, especially when you consider they have their, their CIs who are giving them, you know, that little bit of information know but it all goes back of course to the Breonna Taylor murder you know I mean they just lit up the apartment and 
only one officer that was charged was for the one officer who shot a bullet that went into the next door neighbor's unit. And it all goes back to just the whole idea of police and the attitude that they have towards the black community or the non-existence, really, of a relationship between the police and the black community. Now, I'll be one of the first to say, yes, there are some good police officers out there. And yes, you do have some bad police officers out there. Sometimes it's almost like you just pray and hope you get pulled over by a good one. That, you know, just if you were wrong, you were wrong. They either give you your ticket or they let you slide and you move on and everyone has a good day. You know, and then there are other times, you know, you have the, the bad ones where, you know, it's really who knows what can happen and how quickly things can escalate and next thing you know, there's a criminal being planned. You know, but one of the main things is that I want to talk about, like, it goes back to so far about this whole distrust between the black community and police because predominantly we all know that police officers are white and generally in the black community most of the police officers we see coming through our neighborhoods are white officers you know we rarely see the black police officers patrolling our own neighborhoods our own streets for the most part you know and a lot of that goes back to you, you really just have to go back to the days of slavery you know because when slaves would escape from the South and go into the North and try to go all the way up into Canada, you know, the ones who were coming after them were white people. It was the slave catchers. You know, even the owners themselves, you know, coming with the dogs, trying to get them, trying to capture their slaves, or better yet, if slaves were looked at during that time, as property. You know, that idea, I got to get my property back. You know, that's my property. That's what I paid for. I need my property back. And, you know, this, this whole idea carries back. And even after the days of slavery, you still got to even think about the post-Civil War times, you know, even the decades that followed, you know, even all the way into the 1950s, 1960s, this whole idea that there is still police, you know, has this mind control set, this whole idea over the black community as if we can control everything. You know, you think back to Reconstruction, you know, after the Civil War, when blacks were given their freedom, especially with the 13th Amendment that finally ended slavery. You think to the 14th Amendment that gave blacks their citizenship and made them citizens and also was supposed to guarantee them of their equal rights to the law and equal protection to the law with the 14th Amendment. And then you also think of the 15th Amendment, which gave black men the right to vote. And for the most part, we know that many of these amendments were troubling for whites, especially in the South, mainly because whites were not willing to think that how slaves who were my property for maybe the last 20, 30, 40 years are now all of a sudden given equal protection by the law. Now, when we go, if you want to talk more about that, of course, that's another podcast episode, but yes, given that I am a historian in a sense, you know, I will definitely do another podcast to talk about that heavy topic. But one of the things also was that with the Reconstruction and then the whites trying to assume control over this newfound freedom of blacks, you know, they 
started instituting black codes. Then, of course, came the Jim Crow laws, you know, to make sure that blacks still knew that whites were still in control. And, you know, we all know of the horror stories of the South. We know that from the fact that, you know, blacks, if you were a black man, you were to whistle at a white woman or you were to do something against a white person, you know, you you didn't have protection of the law because even if you got arrested and you maybe felt safe in jail, you know, you had the vigilante crews that just come out there, break into the jail, just snatch you up out the jail cell and, you know, go and lynch you. You know, they would have their own set of freedom, their own set of instituted justice in their right, in their eyes, and more so feeling like this is how we're going to do it. And, of course, it more so becomes a scare tactic, you know. And especially when you think about how many black lives were lost to lynching here in the United States, you know, and I looked up a few figures, you know, one, you know, lynchings in the U.S., of course, aside from being iconic and also painful, you know, especially if you are able to Google any of the, you know, lynching photographs, I think by far one of the most gruesome and just more telling one is one where a pregnant uh, black woman was hung, and, you know, they cut open her stomach, and you can see the fetus fall out. And, you know, you just think, and, you know, it was like pride. It was joy for them, you know. It was almost like, you know, when whites go into Africa, you know, and kill elephants and lions, and, you know, and they take pictures with their pride. You know, that's just how they look at it. A lot of pictures where, you know, they will hang black men on the tree, and then, you know, they'll all just stand around and take a picture. Like, it was a family moment. You know, like, it was a rite of passage. And, you know, it's just amazing and crazy. But just to run down some numbers, you know, Tuskegee University, uh, for the most part, has kept a very almost accurate number of lynchings here in the United States. And through their Equal Justice Initiative Project, between 1850, I'm sorry, between 1882 to 
CNNs, the ABC News, uh, even say USA Today, you know, when they would talk about it, you know, they would just simply say, you know, protesting. You know, they were protesting it. But if you hear things coming from, you know, this soon-to-be-ended Trump White House, the idea was that, oh, these are gangsters, you know, gangbangers, you know, they're, they're out to destroy and corrupt everything, you know, and you think back to this, and then all of a sudden the whole idea of defund the police. Defund the police did not mean get rid of the police department. Defund the police means take, take a lot of that money that police departments get and use it for other programs, you know, to make it where police maybe understand more about what's going on in our community. But also, it was always, one of the things I always find amazing when it comes to protests, especially by black people, is that when police do show up to say they're just there to help keep the peace, they always show up in full riot gear. You know, they're, they're lined up in full riot gear. They sometimes even have the little tanks ready. They already got their uh, machine guns ready. You know, full riot gear. But if city's local sports team wins a championship, oh, it's okay for the white people to go out there and set cars on fire, trash the police cars, trash the community, trash the streets, jump on top of the traffic lights or the street lights, tear them down. It's okay. You know, police just sits there, you know. But just because all of a sudden there's black people protesting and talking about, hey, what's going on? We demand justice. Police all of a sudden got to show up in full riot gear, which, you know, doesn't make sense, you know. But like I say, you have some good ones, you got some bad ones. So I'm not here, you know, to put anyone down who is a police officer or works in law enforcement. Because like I say, I understand it. Not everyone is bad. We got some good apples and we got some bad apples. Like, I'm an educator. If you've been following the podcast, you know, you know by now I'm an educator and I'll be the first one to tell you. You have some good teachers, and you got some real bad teachers, unfortunately, in, in the system. And, you know, that is what it is. But there is this thing still. Why is it that it's an issue that black lives can't just be black lives matter? You know, a lot of people make it where they say, well, all lives matter. Yes, that's true. But, unfortunately, I don't know when's the last time I seen on a video a white person was simply killed or shot or mistreated because they were white. You know, I remember on a video, someone did a comparison that was on YouTube where it showed how black person, if they were running from the police, you know, they captured, they roughed them up, you know, looked like they were trying to beat the hell out of them or put them into the grave. But on the same case, it showed another video where on a police chase, you know, they, they chased down this white man, you know, where they handcuffed him and brought him to the police car. You know, they brought him a bottle of water. You know, but a bottle of water wasn't offered to the black man. You know, so it just says, like, you know, are we really trying to at least be fair to some degree? Like, don't get me wrong. You commit a crime, you commit a crime, and then you therefore need to do the time. But where is at least some kind of common ground, some kind of understanding that black lives do matter? Where's this idea? And it's also the idea that police, especially from a young age, you know, in the black community, you're taught not to 
be respectful, please, because look how they treated, you know, so-and-so. Or look how they just come in and just beat up the so-and-so. Or look how they just be driving around, you know, just trying to start trouble. And, you know, like I say, it's something that goes deep. There's a lot of that goes into it. But, you know, like I say, it's just something that even as a black person would grow up, it's something that's ingrained to us. And, you know, and I think back to this old Martin Lawrence uh, comedy CD that he did in the early 2000s. And Martin Lawrence was, you know, pretty much at the top of his game. He had a, a, a comedy CD that was called Talking Shit. And one of his lines was, you have an argument with your lady while y'all driving. And then all of a sudden, you know, you be, you're arguing about stuff. And then all of a sudden, hey, be cool, be cool. There's a cop on your left. There's a cop on your left. You know, be cool, chill out. You know, be cool. You know. And even though as much as funny as that line is, even as a black man today, I still think about that. You know, like, you know, as I'm driving, minding my own business, you know, listening to my uh, old school R&B or rap jams, you know, I can see a police car. And then, you know, behind me in rearview mirror, maybe a few lanes, a few car lengths back. And you start wondering, like, okay, where is this car? Where's this cop going? You know, is he going to stay on that lane on the side and just go on by his business? Or are they going to pull behind me, want to run my license plate, you know, to see if this car is stolen? Or, you know, do I have insurance? You know, whatever, you know. So those are some of the, the things that still to this day, you know, you wonder. But like I said, this one was, this episode was a little bit different. And every now and then, you know, I just got to talk about these kind of issues. So if you've been enjoying what you've been hearing, you know, definitely give me some feedback. You know, hit me up on Twitter at Ray Talks Live, or you can also hit me up at Ray Talks underscore live on Instagram. And then as always, feel free to hit me up with an email at Ray Talks Live at gmail.com. Until then, I'll see you guys 